my my first <laughs> technical writing um, job, so to speak, goes goes all the way back to uh, the early '90s when I uh, um, started doing. Um, uh, Technical technical authoring for a firm called Delrina, and Delrina um, their their main claim to fame was um, producing um, fax software. This was this was really back in the in the days before email was really prevalent, and you know hey you could you could actually send and receive faxes from your computer. Wow! This is Content Content, a monthly podcast featuring the people behind the content. I'm Ed Marsh. Today's guest. Keith Shengili Roberts, market researcher and data evangelist at Ixiosoft. Uh, I'm sure we'll get into that because I don't know what the hell a data evangelist is. Uh, but for what it's worth, Keith is also the owner of a website called DataWriter.com. And and not surprisingly, people you know needed to have manuals to explain how right, yeah. how this miracle process actually worked. <laughs> and um, uh, and from there, we actually went on to. Um, do an, another um, set of um, set of uh, products focused on uh, the then um, you know nation to uh, internet. Um, so that we, we actually had a very early um, web browser competing with the likes of um, oh Netscape and um, the precursor to Internet Explorer, who I, I can't remember what it was called, but I you know I can I can remember playing around with uh, Viola. And uh, you know, like you know, you know, sort of waiting with anticipation for you know what is, what is the next version of Netscape Navigator going to bring out? <laughs> it's like, hey, look, the the images are, you know, in, are, are no longer you know you don't have to load the whole page before you actually get to see things. That's that's great, you know. And this is you know this this is basically you know like dinosaur era for uh, for for the internet. And anyways, I I did I did a whole bunch of things talking about um, writing writing about I should say. How you know what these things were and um, how people could use them? I already had some familiarity with them from my days in university when I used um, you know long forgotten applications like um, uh, like Archie and um, uh, Veronica and other oh, wow. um, you know other uh, you know oddly named you know like Archie comic themed <laughs> applications <laughs> other than Gopher and Gopher, which of course right, is of course. The, the one exception to. Uh, Maybe there was a gopher in the Archie comics. There probably was somewhere. There, you think they'd have to be, anyways. Um, so, anyways, I, I had some familiar familiarity with that. I guess the the other thing that I, I did because um, um, uh, I was I was young and keen at the time. I also did writing for um, uh, as, as a freelance writer for um, a, a magazine called the Computer Paper up here, which was distributed. Um, Primarily in British Columbia and the province of Ontario, where I am, which ran for about I think about a dozen or so years, and and wow. from that, I ended up writing um, a series of articles talking about the web and how to create web pages and using oh, HTML, and uh, I actually um, ended up uh, compiling those and then editing them and publishing the first couple of books I did. Um, huh. so I have on my, and I, I look, look across at my bookshelf to make sure I've got the title right. So I have the advanced HTML companion and, uh, uh, and, you know, edition number two, followed by two books on castellating style sheets, which were all done in the, uh, in the mid, mid to, uh, then late nineties over time. And then I had my, had my first, had our, had our first kid and suddenly all that extra time just, you know, basically vanished, <laughs> but which, which, Hey, you know, but, uh. Uh, no, 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 no problem with that. That's, it was all, right. it was all, it was all spent in, in, in good time. Anyways, so, um, 
mo- moving on from there, um, c- c- continuing to do more and more things relating to to tech docs over time, and also teaching um, a course on um, essentially information management and then information uh, architecture as the as the field started to grow at the um, um, uh, at the University of Toronto here. Um, I, I then became um, manager at um, what was then called uh, ATI, um, maker of um, uh, graphics cards, mm. and uh, which was then bought by AMD, which makes <laughs> graphics cards and um, uh, CPUs. And uh, so, so I was I was essentially there as the um, uh, the person managing the documentation and localization team. Uh, and the um, uh, and we decided now. Actually, this is in the ATI days, and, and we we looked at the idea of getting um, a uh, looking at this new crazy DITA thing, uh, <laughs> which which was being uh, promoted by the likes of IBM, and it, and it seemed to embody a lot of best practices relating to the to the business of technical writing. And mm-hmm. you know, we we were very conscious at the time that, um, in particular, our localization costs were just killing us. Um, you know, the, the, um, I, I, I still like to show this chart at, at, at some trade shows, but back in the day we were spending something like close to, I think about a million us having, you know, pretty much on just on, you know, localizing our content to the number of languages that were required, which I think was a 2324 at, at its wow, peak. Okay. Jeez. And, you know, like given a lot of these things were, um, you know, like in some cases, highly detailed electrical engineering documentation, as well as um, end user documentation, you know, mm. looking, looking at how, you know, how do I put a graphics card into my computer? Things, things and how do I then, you know, work with it? That, that, that all needed to be, um, um, you know, we, 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 we recognized that we needed a more efficient way of doing things. And this, this new crazy thing called DITA seemed to be, you know, much better than, oh, and, you know, the, you know, the, the horror stories of working with FrameMaker back then. Oh, Lord. <laughs> I mean, I, I, it, the, the heartbreak, and I, and, I, and I kid you not, there were numerous occasions where, and, you know, t- to be fair, you know, FrameMaker is not what it is now. You know, I mean, it's, it's a much better, much, you know, like, it's but but back in the back in the day adobe just you know it's like you know uh you you know what do, what do you mean people need only one level of undo you know i mean or more than that oh and um and and it was it was a heartbreak of and and i kid you not i can remember one distinct time of course this would happen happen to be end of day on a friday where we're trying to you know uh, churn out a, a fairly large manual and you know we had a dedicated system just to you know, make sure that the, this would come out. It was a multi-hundred-page thing, and you know, around three thirty to four o'clock, the you know the program crashes, <laughs> and That's we have to friend. go. Yeah, and we have to go back and find out what's what. You know, and 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 and, and you know, we we uh, one one of the other members of my team realized that the the processing time for this at the time was was purely linear. It wasn't like it would. You know, uh, it would it would always take the the amount of time that it would need to take. In other words, it would, you know, like if you, you you throw more <laughs> processing power at it, didn't seem to matter a whole lot. So it's right, like, okay, yeah. anyways. So so we 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 realized that we had a real bottleneck with 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 all of this, and um, so we so we went and um, looked at the idea of trying to to bring um, uh, uh, bringing data in house. 
and we had a look at the various uh, vendors, uh, n- none of whom at the time were Ditta specific because, well, you know, Ditta was not actually, you know, really even an official thing by that point. It had, uh, <laughs> it was, it was like a preliminary thing, which I think it was being, you know, being mooted as being passed over to uh, Oasis, um, where it would eventually mm. come out. Um, but we were looking at various vendors, and and the only one that we really liked because we had such a strong localization contingent, and several of the vendors we checked with um, uh, basically all failed uh, the localization tests that we passed oh, them. I mean, we would, you know, the the, the classic thing being uh, we would actually there. I mean, the, we we still use this test, or at least I've used this test, uh, the I can eat glass test, which is a phrase which. Um, has been translated into a bunch of different languages, and we had the Unicode characters for it, and we fed that into these these systems. And um, you know, if if what we got back was a, a bunch of nice little um, uh, empty boxes, which is sort of the you know can't cannot parse this Unicode um, uh, <laughs> glyph, um, it was like, yep, thanks very much, and uh, uh, see you later, <laughs> because 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 extra pain and expense would then you know inevitably uh, ensue. Yeah. So, so the one system that we really uh, that that passed this with flying colors was a um, an XML repository called uh, TextML, which was from a Montreal company um, called Ixiosoft. Oh no! And um, uh, but the thing is that um, uh, they didn't actually have a front end; they just had the repository, and they were actually there with. Another vendor that ostensibly had a front end, but I, I can't even remember who it was. It was it was awful. So 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 what we did is we we, we went back to the um, I think it was Eric Bergeron um, at at Ixiosoft and said, look, we really like you know we think TextML is 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 the bee's knees, but we but we need some sort of interface to go with it, and um, uh, in the end. Um, what AMD did, and, and I'm, I'm, or ATI, I should say, because it was really an ATI effort at the time, mm. they really went, you know, in some ways, I think beyond, you know, not the sort of thing you would typically see in many organizations these days, but recognized that there, there was a problem and it was worth spending some money on it, ended up in a co-development deal with Ixiosoft and helping to fund, you know, some of the bill. And I'm, I'm assuming that it, I'm hoping that there was a tax write-off thing or something but but in any event you know it, it you know the it cost the um uh it cost ati i think on the order of a couple hundred thou or something like that wow to to help co-develop this with ixisoft and they you know kicked in a the you know like a matching amount in terms of development time and from that the very first iteration of the ixisoft did a cms was born so we were, in fact, the very first um, bespoke customers for this particular <laughs> system, and uh, you know, so and, and a lot of the initial design decisions were, um, you know, came from uh, came from those days. So it was, in fact, the very first, you know, fully, you know, data optimized uh, CMS, and we were the very first customers, um, and, and we're using that system um, back uh, back in two thousand five when the um, when this did a 1.0 specification had actually finally come out. And um, so that, that was sort of the, the beginnings of my, my time with, uh, with using Dita and getting some experience on, you know, uh, 
how and why and, and how that all this worked. And 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 by the way, you know, I I was also I also found it um, amazing at how much it actually you know made things much more efficient in terms of uh, you know writers no longer having to rewrite their content. Uh, but merely finding what someone else had done and then reusing it more successfully. And then uh, the other thing was also looking at things like the look, you know, how much we were saving in terms of localization. We were actually able to produce more um, localized content um, using far less budget. And, and by the end, I mean, we were we were down to, um, you know, a fraction of what we were spending prior to uh, using the system. And, um you know, we actually had a, a five-year time frame for, um, you know, essentially amortizing the, or that might not be the right term, but essentially paying back the cost of development. And we and we did that within three years instead. So we beat right. the deadline. Nice. So so that's the beginning of, of uh, my experiences with Dita and uh, also, interestingly enough, with, with Ixiosoft. Um, and then from, from there, um, I, I, I worked with... Um, uh, with Mecon uh, and some digital agency firms working in sort of the AI space with um, web development, uh, there was a firm called uh, Yellow Pencil that I did some did some cool stuff with, and um, um, and then essentially um, I got a calling from um, Eric Bergeron, the uh, CEO of Ixiosoft, saying, you know, we kind of have this spot. Would you um, would you be interested? And I basically said, hell yeah. <laughs> And oh. uh, and and I've I've been working for them uh, working for them now for I think just over three three and a half years, and 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 to answer the earlier question as to you know what the heck is what the heck's a did evangelist, um, <laughs> I I the um, the the evangelist role is so to speak is, is usually uh, tied to say a particular product, um, and but in this case my my job is not so much to promote the idea of. Uh, that did a CMS because in some ways, you know, I, I, I you know, I, I, I'm not, you know, I, it, it sort of helps sells itself more than anything else. There's still, but there's still the, the idea of having to, um, uh, put across, um, the, you know, like a, a, a cogent unified idea that, uh, you know, doing things with Dita is, you know, in some ways the optimal way of doing technical communications these days. And that, you know, so my role is to help produce white papers, goes, go to various conferences and, and speak to, uh, not just the, the technical end of things. Um, you know, I can, I can, uh, I can, you know, tell you a bit about why, why I think, you know, key keys are wonderful, but, but, you know, most, most doc managers are not as interested in that. Um, they, they want to know, you know, what, you know, what is the, what are the business reasons for one and how, how do I tell, uh, my my reluctant VP uh, who doesn't want to spend any money that this is in fact worth worth spending money on. So so you know that that's that's the sort of thing that I I'm, I, I tend to do in the in the evangelist role. Um, um, and and in that I I've also um, have become uh, um, head of the uh, or chair chairperson of the um, did adoption committee uh, on on Oasis um, uh, as it's succeeding uh, Joanne Hackus in that role. And again, the role there is is trying to put out white papers, trying to you know, um, and also to do things like the did a listening sessions where we're there to you know to listen to how what what are the issues, problems, and you know, and successes that people are having 
using data and and just you know I, that's that's been really quite eye opening. There's been all sorts of things that have that have come out of that that have been really really interesting. And then the other part of my role is a market researcher, and and that you know mm. this is hearkening back to my because I I have a um, you know uh, I have. I have a uh, degree in, in um, uh, public administration, not business administration, but public administration. But oh, okay. it, it, it actually uh, has a lot um, – there's was, there was a lot of statistical analysis uh, as, as part of that. So um, I, I've been leveraging that to try to you know, have a better understanding as to the overall market – and you know, so so uh, you know, th there's been very few studies done on, um, you know, what is the size of the technical writing market, and more specifically, mm. of uh, structured content and uh, and data within that. Uh, I, I I remember um, having a look for uh, fairly recently on, um, you know, looking at the major uh, consulting organizations like say the Foresters. Um, uh, uh, and, and and the like, and finding that the very you know the very last it, most updated thing they had on uh, on the area of you know component content management systems and or and or DITA and structured content dated back to I think like two thousand and nine or something you know going way way back. So that's part of what I like to disseminate on the on the DITA writer site is you know to let the community know more about. And in some ways, like no, let them know more about themselves and the fact that you know you're you're not alone in this. There's uh, as at, at the time of uh, as of right now, I have um, a list of uh, 711 companies that are currently using it. I need to update my list. I think it's uh, I think it's um, shy of about 10 of those at the moment. But uh, so, anyways, I've been I've been blathering on. You probably have more questions. <laughs> But that's but that's the you know that's everything in a in a in rather large nuts, nutshell. <laughs> well, hey, it's a great story. It's interesting how you kind of came home by coming to Ixiasoft. Um and I definitely want to talk to you about a little bit more about this history because I think um, you know in terms of it sounds like our careers are kind of in the same place at the same time. And you know back in the early two thousands, I was involved in a conversion of content. Let's see, we started in Zyrite, then we were in Word. Then we were in unstructured frame. Then some of it moved to structured frame. And we tried to convert all that out and put it into a, I can't remember the company name anymore, but I believe the CCMS was called World Server, which as far as I know, that company is still using that version of it from mm -hmm. 2006 or so. Right. Yes. Um, so I, you know, and I was, you know, I was in charge of cleaning up all the output that came out of the conversion. So I was very, very, very anti-DITA for a while because I was cleaning up so much crap in X-Metal at the time <laughs> that, um, you know, and that's what I want to talk to you about is mm -hmm. that, you know, I was, I was anti-DITA after I left that company because I felt that, you know, it was way too complex and it was expensive and it really wasn't designed for small teams. And I was always, you know, complaining about FrameMaker. God, I hated FrameMaker. Um, <laughs> oh God, I hated FrameMaker. And and and, and um, you know, and, and again, I want to want to emphasize. I mean, like you know, we, we we share our share our horror stories about FrameMaker, huh. but but you know, I've seen it. Yeah, you know, I've seen it working now, and it's 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 a it's a different beast. It's like it's been much improved. I I don't want to say I don't I really don't want to say you know, be seen as saying bad things to this day about about FrameMaker because you know it 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 is still. You know, twenty-five years since its inception, right. it's it's still, you know, considered the tool by you know if you, if you're a professional tech writer, you're using, you know, FrameMaker or you're using you know some other, 
you know, like like say Madcap Flare or some right. some other, or or using Ditto within a CCMS. So those are sort of if you're using Word and you're a tech writer, it's kind of like well. Yeah, my my company won't actually, you know, buy me <laughs> buy me good up. buy me good tools sort of thing. Right. But. <laughs> yes, exactly. So you know, all you know, all of this around to say that actually now I've come back to the Ditto world. Uh, three or four years ago, uh, we're using Oxygen as our XML editor, and my God, if anyone took that tool away from me, I think I would hurt them. Um, oh yeah, so, no, the yeah, the yeah the Oxygen is is far. far and away far and away one of one of the best tools, and and they're so keen on. Um, working with the uh, with the community on that, and you know, coming up with cool mm-hmm. features. Yeah, they are very, very cool. They're very responsive. Uh, love those guys. But I, you know, I came back from it, and now we're a two person team. Um, I, you know, five months ago, I had a new joiner. He's a he's a junior person, and he started looking at Dita and like what an oxygen. He's like what the hell are we doing with all this stuff? You know, he thought it was way too complex. And I actually, uh, you know, I saw, and I met you at Labacon and I went there thinking, okay, maybe we should, you know, look at something else, maybe Markdowns for us or ASCII-Doc or one of those flavors. Mm -hmm. Um, And it turns out, no, you know, for what we're doing, you know, for the amount of metadata that we're using and the reuse that we have and all that kind of stuff, I'm like, no, you know what? This is a bottleneck in terms of complexity and time to release, but it's it, it's worth it because we can do so much more flexibility, especially now that I've finally, after 20 years, figured out some of XSL. Um, we can control a page how we like, so that I, you know, we're only online output, so we don't have to worry with faux XSL faux. Thank God. Oh, okay. okay. Um, but you know, I literally 20 years ago, maybe 15 years ago, took a course on XSL for through Learning Tree and failed. So uh, <laughs> it's been a long slog with me with XSL. I've been oh god, I just like. It wasn't until, seriously, like two or three months ago that I finally got my head around what's going on <laughs> in the Data Open Toolkit. It's, uh, you know, not only I understand it, it's powerful, but I think for me, the, the complexity there was, you know, trying to track down where everything's coming from. It's like, okay, this function is calling this function, and this function is not defined, and where is this coming from? I know this is coming from, it was, you know, I think unraveling the Open Toolkit is what drove me crazy, and that's what I think got, uh, took me the longest to get my head around. Right, right. Yeah, med, you know, pot- potential madness this 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 way lies, you know. But <laughs> yeah, and my teammate's looking at me, and he sees what I'm and I'm bitching about this XSL, and he's like, "Oh my god, this is!" And he has a development background. He's a he's a JavaScript developer, and he's like, "This thing just seems like a monster." I'm like, "Yeah, I think it's a lot of it is just me in my head, but you know, some of it's a monster." It's, it's it, really it, it does take a a special sort of programming mind to. Uh, uh, to to wrap their head their head around um, XSL properly and and actually to um, um, I mean I think I think of my colleague uh, Lee White who has written a couple of books on on the subject and and much much like yourself I mean she 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 got into this because you know pretty much out of self defense as I understand it it was it was it was it was so you know it's like I've got to understand how this works and how you know so and I gather that the writing of the books was was in in part her way to you know, to educate herself as well as to help others with, with mm. what she has learned along the way. And, and now she is, uh, you know, she, she does a lot of work in, in that particular area for, for, for us. But, um, but that's, you know, uh, it, 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 it's, um, it's, it's a special talent and it, and it is, and it is sadly one of the, you know, if anything, a, a, like kind of, kind of one of the Achilles heels for, for, for current data deployments. Um, it's, it's 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 problematic still for for um, especially for small teams, but for but for but for larger firms who have, 
you know, the, the wherewithal to um, uh, have programming talent, uh, you know, either either con uh, as a other consulting or 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 in house, it's it's not as big a deal. Yeah, we um, we're unfortunately we don't have a budget for anything consulting, so it all came down to me, and we were actually creating our own bespoke data to confluence content management system. So that's actually been really cool to work through. And um, but you know, it's you know, instead of paying a consultant, they paid me to do it. So, right, right. Um, yes. But I want to talk about this. Let's talk about mm -hmm. complexity and talk about, you know, funding and, you know, everything, because it seems like that's a recurring theme with Dita. And you're saying, you know, I mean, obviously there are 711 different companies. I, I, I find that crazy that there's that many content management systems that are out there. But, I'm, you know, is I guess my question is how much of that, you know, I guess if you're paying hundreds of thousand dollars for a CCMS, how down and dirty do you have to get with it? Are you still managing XSL like on the OT side or is that handled? I mean, does someone else do that? Talk to us a little about that complexity and how you get, you know, how you get your reluctant VP to spend money on this kind of thing. Well, okay. So there, there, there's a, there's a few things that kind of, kind of need to un need to unpack there. So, um, so, so what I'm finding in my, in my research and I, and I, I've talked about this at uh, some recent conferences is that when I, when I, when I match the names of, of these companies that are using Dita, and I, I then you know look look at the types of um, uh, like you know what what are they doing in terms of annual revenue and the number of employees, you know I I'm finding that um, the the vast majority of firms that are using Dita are and this shouldn't be a huge surprise are you know what we would call large to very large firms. Mm. So these are firms that you know at at a, at a minimum are tend to be you know have have a revenue base of you know, like a hundred million, and to the okay. multi-billion plus. I mean, you know, our the largest customer Ixisoft has is is, uh, or one of them is is SAP, for example. And okay. you know, that that's a, that is a mind-bogglingly large deployment um, in okay. terms of uh, you know the number of people who are actively contributing content into the system and uh, maintaining things like uh, the material on their on their uh, HANA um, uh, based website, which is I gather pretty much you know fully. Uh, fully did at this point. Um, so, so you know, and and they're able to do some, you know, some amazing things in terms of um, throughput of content and also mm. localization, like local lo localizing things pretty much on the fly and getting those to customers, you know, immediate, like practically, you know, like practically within hours, literally of of when it was written in say English or whatever the original target language is. Anyway, so I'm, I'm getting on, on a tangent and Hey, I'm really good at doing tangents. If you haven't already <laughs> discovered that, but anyways, so, so, That's so what back. we're here for. Hey, it's the tangent pod podcast. Hey, woo. <laughs> Tan content, tangent content. <laughs> um, so, 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 uh, this is all by all by way of saying that, you know, the, the, the companies that have had the, the, the most ongoing success, with with things like Dita, are those that you know where it is truly cost effective mm. to to reuse content at scale, and also to do things like localization. Now, that's not to say that small companies, you know, there's no advantage there. In fact, one of the one of the one of the you know, um, I was actually talking to to a to a colleague about this um, uh, at a, a what we call Dita and Beers event <laughs> that we sometimes have here in Toronto. Um, and, and, you know, sort of the, sort of the, uh, you know, sort of the accidental design aspects of Dita that have ended up fitting really, really well with, uh, modern, 
uh, management techniques, and and the one that comes to to mind in that in that regard is is agile. Agile and Dita is 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 you know, in some ways. I mean, what in doing some interviews with with um, people who who work on agile teams, I they have said, and this is no lie, that you know they could not do what they're doing if they you know uh, if they're using something other than Dita. Uh, the the right. reuse capabilities, the uh, you know, writing, you know, individual topics, uh, which can be, you know, changed quickly um, in an <clears throat> agile manner, so to speak. Uh, or even, you know, e- you know, like if, if, a, if a feature is tossed out, it's, it's like, OK, well, you know, th- th- that's only, you know, however many topics. Let's let's start anew with something else. And with it without it being like a, oh, man, I did like, you know, three chapters on that. <laughs> that's all gone. It's, it, as opposed to like, you know, he, here's a dozen topics. And it's like, oh, OK, well, that's fine. We can might be able to reuse that later should that feature come back. And, you know, so there's, you know, so, 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 you know, large firms are, are definitely leveraging uh, Ditto the most be- and because it makes the most the most business sense. Smaller, mm-hmm. smaller, smaller um, firms are also able like those who are not doing localization though those who uh, may not have the same stringent uh, requirements for reuse can still find that you know if they're working in something like agile it is just you know the bee's knees in terms of you know do, doing doing docs um there 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 are some other things that that come into play here but in terms of the um you know the the associated costs involved um it 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 has traditionally been fairly high, uh, but you know the larger companies can can make can make uh, can make do with that. I mean, I, I the original story I talked about uh, with with ATI then then AMD, uh, you know, sinking money into uh, you know co development costs on the order of and I and I you know I'm pretty sure it was at least a couple hundred thousand, and we you know we we got that back in terms of cost savings and then some. In terms of just you know localization and um, uh, in in the in the ability to you know like to essentially do more with what we had, there were you know not surprisingly there were always pressures on uh, you know not trying to um, uh, spend more money on on headcount, right. and we were able to find that you know hey you know we're actually producing the same and then you know it's like hey we're actually able to produce more content with the people that we have you know under under Dita so these are. These are all things that have um, that have really come to the fore. So yes, there there is um, inherent complex, complexity in Dita, mm. um, but but there are but the efficiencies and cost savings uh, re- really strongly mitigate that. And you know, and part of part of my role as as Dita evangelist is um, to put across you know what these what these um, uh, arguments are for and, mm. and and putting across you know case studies. Showing what can be done um, in in the right circumstances, and and you know there's a, there's a whole bunch of other things around it relating to, you know the sort of complexity in terms of the, you know oh there's so many so many elements we don't need that many elements but uh, <laughs> and and if I remember right there's something like I um, there's 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 a lot of elements in in Dita one dot three I I can't remember the number but but in in effect you know most you know tech doc teams only. You know, they they wisely, um, you know, end, end up using all, only the bits of it that that are you know relevant to their need. If they're not using learning and training, well, okay, there's a whole mm-hmm. whack load of things that they don't need to to use there. Um, similarly, if they're not using um, uh, if they're not doing APIs again, there's a whole other subset that doesn't have to be brought in. And 
So, you know, it's, it's, uh, it, it, it's as complex as it needs to be for the, the circumstances, I guess, for, for, for the firm that it's, that it's operating under. And, um, um, and, and as I say, the, you know, the, the, the firms that are making the most hay with, with Dita tend to be the larger firms out there. So, and so, so, uh, you know, the, but while they do know of, you know, companies that, um, you know, that have less than 10 people and there's one tech writer essentially who's using Dita, that's, you know, uh, that's far and away the, um, uh, the exception rather than the rule. Right. Right. Yeah, we're actually, uh, you know, the, the irony, irony here is that we are a very, very large financial firm, and uh, we're a team of two people. So, mm -hmm. um, you know, so I guess, you know, because we had Confluence in place or SharePoint, we actually looked at using SharePoint as a CMS at one point. I wasn't going to work out for various reasons, but, um, you know, I am grateful that we have Dita and that we're using Dita. So, uh, you know, I guess you're right. You have that support there um, in a larger firm because, you know, the infrastructure was already in place. It kind right. of made it easy for us. And honestly, for us, I, well, I was very surprised that it wasn't a hard sell from us to go from a traditional help authoring tool into Dita because of the reuse and the, uh, you know, the, the overall efficiency of it and the overall control that we had. So um, I was surprised that that was not a big sell. The sell, of course, is, is the costs uh, involved. But like I said, we didn't bother with the CMS. We kind of did our own homegrown thing that's working. But honestly, I've thought about doing a presentation on it, but there's so many moving parts. It's like, no, you can't really explain <laughs> this in a presentation on WebDAV right. and XSL and all this stuff. So um, I am thinking, though, about writing uh, a blog post, if I can get all my head around it, about creating XSL plugins, because I've been, you know, trying to do that and I've gotten it to work, but I've had to Google so many things and Stack Overflow. And so it seems like, ironically, the documentation for Dita is not that great, especially for something like that. So, um, you know, I, so I've been frustrated trying to track all these down and get all the pieces together. Well, for what it's worth, if you want to do a white paper on that subject for mm -hmm. um, uh, Dita adoption, hey, we would love that. And, and you know, I'll, I'll put that out as, as a general call to, to mm -hmm. anybody out there who might be listening. I mean, we... we you know, we, we, we only, we only forge ahead with the help of others <laughs> in this field. And, uh, you know, one of the best ways of doing that is just writing up your own experiences and passing mm. that along. And, 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 and I'm serious. I mean, if you want to do a, an XSL paper, um, Hey, I, I would, I would love to see that personally. Um, I'm, I'm currently working on one right now for did adoption on, um, the subject of lightweight data. Um, I've been coming up with some example code based on the uh, the upcoming committee note, and you know, trying to, you know, it's like, okay, well, he, here's how you can do data in Markdown, and then here's how you can mm. do it in um, uh, uh, with with um, a YAML tack, tack, headers tack, tacked on to Markdown, and then here's how you can do it in HTML5 based. Um, uh, wow. Dita, so to speak, and then uh, the pure XML version, and and just like how how it would then, you know, what are the key differences in working between the different sets of of tools uh, or different mm -hmm. sets of standards, I should say, uh, or that's uh, different sets of standards is wrong is actually a completely wrong <laughs> statement. I it make it, it, it <laughs> in, in, erase that and in <laughs> and in instead turn it like like essentially like like sibling. Um, 
sibling document structuring. Uh, oh man! <laughs> Ow, my my. Getting up new words. Yeah, I can't. Yeah, it, it, I kind of wish I. I, I I'm sure there's a word in German that has you know all of the <laughs> compound elements in it that that I want to would have put in, but but essentially the the idea that. You know, um, Markdown did a base data, uh, HTML5 based data, and um, XML based data all have you know can can all work and play together. But it's good to know what the key differences are between mm. them, so that you have a better sense as to you know how 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 each what what other quirks in practice is 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 where is where I'm trying to go with that. Fair enough. So. Is you know, let's talk a little bit about lightweight data because I know it's a it's a new topic and it's something that's evolving. Is that something that we're you know we're trying to get structured authoring to the masses, or is this is lightweight data you know for technical communicators like maybe a small person team? You know, what's kind of the some of the use cases, or what's what's Oasis thinking about with lightweight data? Well, there's there's a bunch of things going on there. I mean. Um, like, like it or not, uh, uh, XML is, is getting a little bit long in the tooth. Yeah. Um, and, Crazy. and many developers these days, um, you know, it, it's kind of like, like XML is, is, is what their grandpa, um, you know, coded yeah. in sort of thing. So, and while, while, you know, that's, that's not to say that, you know, you, you know, it, you know, it, it may be an old, old technology. It's tried and true, but it, but it, it, it doesn't have that, uh, it doesn't have that fancy anymore. There's no sexy to it. It's like, yeah, exactly. So, um, uh, so, so what, what, uh, the first sort of instances that I ran across, um, working with, uh, working with some of Vixisoft customers, um, was that their software development teams were used to using Markdown and they would, you know, like to, you know, uh, keep using that. Thank you very much. Rather than learning this crazy XML stuff, what's it? Ah, you know, so um, and and you know, there. Uh, while I'm talking about the Ixiosoft case, that was sort of very similar to what um, uh, the Dita listening sessions and also the other members of the Dita, uh, the lightweight Dita committee were 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 finding that you know there there was repeated calls to use um, you know other other forms of. Um, and I hesitate to say structured content because Markdown is, in some ways, anything but. But, <laughs> yes. uh, but, but, but for other other modes of communication for that, for essentially like the key things of Dita, uh, really comes down to you know uh, reuse. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I mean that's that's I mean when you come down to it, you know that is the raison d'etre of, of, of Dita is is content reuse. Uh, you could almost toss out anything else, and you would still have something that is. You know, essentially, did 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 a like in 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 some regards. Um, you know, I mean the I mean the interesting thing about lightweight data um, is that it also tosses out the idea of um, typing of topic typing, which has been core to data since one uh, mm. So you know, every everything is a generic topic type. Uh, there is there are no concepts, tasks, references, uh, gloss entries, troubleshooting topic types at all, and until you get to full data. So, anyways, the the whole re- rationale for wanting to have data expressed in other other modes of of um, uh, communication, so to speak, you, in, prime, in this case, um, looking at Markdown, HTML5, and sort of stripped down, simplified XML, um, was to sort of meet the needs of other user communities that really want to have reuse. Um, but didn't want to have the full data sort of overlay on on you know having to learn all of all all, all of that on top of it. If you know if you if you know Markdown, why should you have to 
learn a whole other thing just just to do documentation was mm. the sort of typical mindset we would we would find from um you know uh um, uh, people, you know, and uh, software engineers who, you know, uh, who wanted to, who needed to pass on information to the technical writing teams. Uh, the other thing, you know, the reason why um, HTML was chosen was to meet the needs of um, more of the technical marketers, mm. uh, because the the thinking there, the use case there is that um, you know a lot of people working in technical marketing are already very familiar with HTML5. And well, you know, it's not is you know HTML is not ultimately so different from from XML. So why don't we just leverage it, leverage the best parts of that, and come up with a, a structured way of doing data except based on HTML five. Now, I, 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 in my own experience, I I find that there are fewer people who are clamoring for that. Mm. So so um, my own um, I, my my own focus has been more on the. Uh, uh, the the markdown um, portion right. of that, and and I, I I strongly suspect that that will be the the, the aspect of it that will that will um, take off. Um, right. But uh, but it, re it remains to be seen. The 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 committee note, which is the uh, the official document that will outline the uh, how how lightweight data will work, which will then be followed by a, a formal specification, should be out. Oh well, you know it should be out in in a, some sort of official form. Certainly, you know, no later than this spring. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's interesting. Yeah, I um, you know, going back to the content marketing aspect, I actually had a a content marketer on the show earlier, a couple episodes ago, and you know, there, you know, she, you know, she's a marketer, but she's also a writer. So her copy, she's doing everything in Word. So I really can't imagine an entire industry of copywriters moving from. Word to lightweight did I so I, I yeah yeah you. yeah that that's and you see that that's part of that's part of my problem with 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 that aspect of things as well um I I mean I, I I'm also very familiar with with people who are in in, in marketing who are using things like say WordPress uh, which is a you know very common um you know web platform these days uh, but but that hides almost all of the HTML. Right. Um, but behind behind uh, you know a, a very good and uh, well well crafted for the most part U, UI, so you know wh whereas you know I I I lived and breathed HTML uh, HTML back in the day, I I think that there are fewer fewer and fewer people out there who, you know would would know uh, how to properly use uh, hmm. and, you know like uh, the proper context for an HTML tag <laughs> or element <Yeah>. with, <laughs> with within a web page. You know it's right. like. What do we do? We need an HTML tag now. Nah, just save it as an HTML file, and you know the web server will understand it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's funny. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. Uh, I'm a big fan of WordPress. <laughs> um, my blog runs on it. Podcast is hosted on WordPress, and it's just amazing. Um, you know, but again, it's not. You know, and this is the problem I had with Confluence is that you have that big ugly text box with a button bar that has some functionality on it. I'm like, I don't want to work in this all day. It's terrible. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. You no, know, but I like to your point, I think you're right in that markdown is going to be where lightweight did and might be going. Cause you know, Hey, you know, I haven't talked to our tech teams about it yet, but to be able to tell them, Hey, I can ingest your markdown. I can take any, kind of content that you want so write whatever you want and i'll put it into data that's pretty amazing yeah exactly and and you know we we uh, uh you know we, we we settled upon uh sort of some some preliminary you know versions of things you know so so we settled upon markdown and html5 and you know plain 
stripped down XML, but we also looked at some of some other possibilities. ASCII doc was was another one that was um, considered, and I I remember coming up with. Uh, it's it's getting a bit bit uh, old now, but you know, like sort of coming up with with the equivalent ASCII doc codes that that mm. would or elements that would um, uh, that would allow it to be also um, you know there for there to be a, a lightweight version of Aldita that would work with that. Now that's you know that that may still come to pass, but um, that's that's not one of our key focuses because we found that um, there were the the audience for ASCII doc is 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 a lot smaller than than for mm. markdown so we we just you know limited resources you know we ha- we have to devote our time to you know where we'll have the the, mo- the most bang makes sense that may absolutely makes sense and you know going back to the history you know the evolution of Dita, it's pretty amazing you know you had a two part series on ditterwriter.com and i mentioned this in uh, my last podcast with Andrea Ames that, you know, the, you had a two-part story with Don Day and Michael Priestley on the beginnings of Ditto oh, at yes. IBM. And my God, it's, you know, if you read that and you, you get digest it, you're like, it's pretty damn amazing that this thing is a thing at all. So, <laughs> uh, you know, it's to see that Ditto is still here 20 some years later based on some, some contentious conversations, it sounds like, uh, you know, it's pretty amazing that that's a thing at all. And you wonder, you know, how many other kinds of software or kinds of applications are out there that are kind of based on this same kind of, uh, you know, political back and forth between teams in a company. And it was just, it's, I really recommend people go over to Keith's site and I'll link to this in the show notes, but what a great story. Oh yeah. That, that was, that was really quite, quite, quite eye opening to, to talk to uh, both of those <laughs> gentlemen about the beginnings of Dita. Um, and, and, and it's, um, I mean, but, but it's interesting to see how, um, you know, some of the, some of the original, you know, way, ways of thinking about things, you know, have, have really panned out well. Uh, I mean, the, you know, I, I had not realized prior to my interview with, with Michael Priestley that, uh, um, you know, one of the, you know, one of the core goals for, uh, crafting what would become Dita was, um, you know, that, that the topic based approach was there, was, was, you know, not to create a better print document, but was squarely focused on the idea of, uh, you know, making better web content. Mm. And, and uh, you know, he, here I was thinking initially that it was, you know, well, IBM is, you know, uh, I mean, I, I, I don't, I, I have actually seen IBM manual sets that would take up, you know, multiple shells. And, right. you know, when, you know, and this is probably my, my old way of thinking, because they've been around, you know, far too long. Back in, you know, back when dinosaurs read 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 the manuals, <laughs> um, but you know, but but realizing that you know the topic concept was squarely focused on uh, producing content for for the web and then typing the content, uh, you know, and in, into the you know what the 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 trinity of <laughs> of concept, task, and reference, and then sort of as in, in, to my mind, sort of sort of sullied later by the by gloss entry that's a uh, okay that's uh, that's neither here nor there but uh, <laughs> uh, so yeah some of some of the original ideas for um, how things can be i i have an interview that i am uh, uh, very slowly uh sadly working on um <laughs> that i did um well over a year ago with elliot kimber on his hmm. Um, c- contributions to the early days of Dita, and uh, uh, some very, some very interesting things have come out of that. I mean, the you know much of the idea of of um, how keys work have come 
uh, from 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 Elliot and uh, uh, the the origins um, of that are also uh, are, are equally fascinating. And that that yeah. will that will emerge one day on the on the Ditter Writer blog. I, I've got like eleven pages of transcripts oh, wow. <laughs> at this point, and I'm and I'm I'm only half about halfway through. Okay, uh, dumb question of the day, and I'm sure you probably get this a lot because it seems like it's a hot topic lately. Why do I need to use keys instead of confs at this point, or what's the benefit? Oh, you know what? That's that's that is that is an excellent question um, <laughs> be, because. And, and you see, this, this really sort of gets into the, the nitty-gritty as to, like, what, what are the right processes for doing things? So, right. so you know, the, uh, CONREFs, if memory serves me right, go, goes back to Ditto 1.0, the original way of doing things. And, you know, the idea, you know, that's a basic idea would be, if you do things right, that you would have um, potentially um, paragraph-level and lower or down to phrase level, potentially mm -hmm. then, uh, you know, like product name and so forth, you would do everything with Conrefs. And if you were smart, you would have them in a Conref library and you would yes. just, you know, pull in the bits and pieces that you would need using Conrefs. Um, yeah, that's why I'm doing it now. Yeah. And, but, but the, but the thing, but the thing is that, you know, there, there are certain instances where, um, the the it's it's uh, conref is is just a little bit too unwieldy so it makes sense for things that you know at the at the subtopic level um that are not like single word or or you know um uh a sing, single word or you know uh, um so so it's great for for paragraphs it's great for phrases okay but but if you're using things like product names uh and also to take potentially care of of, of like making sure that you're 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 targeting uh, the right audiences. This is in fact mm. where, where keys makes more sense. So, um, and in fact, they did a um, a nice presentation because I wanted to make sure that I had I had my my own head around this this concept. So, um, I did a really nice presentation, at least I think so, for uh, Liz Fraley last year on you know on the very basics of keys, and you know using progressively more complex examples. Looking at how and 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 the and the code is available on on GitHub and I can I can send that your way if if that's of interest. Please do. Yeah, um, that that you know sort of shows how you can you know build up, uh, you know keys and where and where it makes the most sense to use them. Now I don't use I don't mu uh, uh, muddy it with with conref examples in the same point because in some ways, some places you can use them interchangeably. It's 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 a really bad idea to do so, but um, but I I just show how. You can progressively, um, you know, optimize things, uh, optimize your content using keys and why it makes sense to do so. Uh, and also uh, in the presentation, um, pointing out where, you know, careful, you know, like if, if you go past a certain level of complexity, like if you are, for example, and I've seen this, where you have keys which are pointing itself to, uh, you know, to, to other sets of keys and essentially having a a uh, sort of like a spaghetti references of, of based on keys instead of you know, spaghetti contrasts, you can you can you can end up in the same potential okay. you know rabbit hole that I have seen uh, re relating to con contrasts. Uh, I did a and having said that, I, I did a, a presentation at Lavacon last year called "Did a Worst Practices" that I'll be yes. doing again as a webinar for CIDM shortly, and one of the more memorable. <laughs> Um, horror stories that came up, and and you know, the, many of these are from the early days of data adoption, where you know, data adoption, sorry, did a, um, you know, people 
pardon me, beginning to use Ditto. Um, you know, and one of the one of these was um, a person who was given something like I think it was like a hundred topic document, but they needed to conref in the material from like and it was some, some ridiculous amount. Like I think it was like two thousand other topics because wow. nobody knew how and where all of the con refs were. So it's like, here's this bundle of topics, which you don't actually need, but all the con refs are in here somewhere and nobody rationalized it and sorted it all out. So it's like, so for this relatively short document, here is all this other stuff you need. And, you know, it's the sort of thing that, um, uh, you know, better, better key use. And also just, you know, like, you know, like rationalized way of doing con refs. This, this is why, again, actually sort of coming back to the, you know where where larger companies can make the most of um of of using uh and effectively managing content uh in Dita is that to to you know uh it in some cases it re you really need to have something like either a person who has the role of information mm -hmm. architect as one of their hats or you know has that as a dedicated and as the i a that's again sort of my 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 proclivities uh, these days. I guess it would be more and more content uh, strategist, but someone right. who who you know is there to help optimize uh, the process. And again, you know you know it tends to be larger companies that can um, that can have um, you know have these people either as um, you know at to, either as an additional hat that a technical writer or manager wears or having a dedicated person to that. And again, for the, for larger companies, that actually does, does make sense. Yeah. I am that person. I'm the information architect and the content strategist right. and the team manager and the technical writer. Um, so yeah, I am, I'm a, I'm a busy guy, but yeah, yeah it's, uh, it is what it is. And you know what? I enjoy the architecture side of it, but, um, I would love to hear more. I was going to bring up your, uh, did a worst practices, comp, uh, <laughs> presentation unfortunately i missed it at LavaCon because i think i didn't want to know how many of the worst practices i was doing but um <laughs> thankfully it sounds like i am not creating a thousand page document with two thousand con reps in. exactly yeah well one woman one, 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 hope not yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah that that was that was a that was a fun presentation the the uh i mean what i i did i yeah i I came up with that by sort of, you know, realizing that I and all, you know, pretty much all of the people I know and the consultants that I have worked with or have corresponded with all have, all have horror stories when it comes to, <laughs> to Dita. And, and to be fair, it's, it's not, you know, it rarely has anything to do directly with Dita itself. It's just, you know, poor or bad decisions that were made that just happened to involve Ditta. Um, I mean, one, 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 of, one of my favorites and, you know, I mean, this, this is one that I actually had a direct you know, role in. I, I, um, and I, and I can't name the, you know, for obvious reasons, I can't name the company or the, um, or the lead consultant on this, but um, so I was hired to uh, come in and uh, do some Ditta training to a bunch of um, essentially, you know, up, up, upper managers on, you know, sort of the business rationale for for wanting to use Dita and what they would need to know to properly manage mm. uh, Dita content within a CCMS and, uh, you know, how to manage the people who would be writing the content. And this, you know, this this 
Um, you know, I was I was flown over to uh, uh, to Germany to oh. to do this particular course, and I was there for a week, and and uh, I was there assisting uh, another consultant who was trying to organize all of this um, within the company because they realized that they needed to do their content uh, in in a in a different manner, uh, more efficient manner, and uh, you know ha- having the same. Uh, uh, like the, the same, the same voice essentially, because they were finding that they were, you know, th- their voice was scattered, so to speak. It didn't, it wasn't consistent. Um, and and then you know, about a couple of years later, I, I ran across the same consultant again, and and I asked, you know, so well, how did things go? Are they are they now using Dita? And and I was and what and what what this person told me was that um. They they had done all this groundwork and laid laid all the, you know laid all these plans and they knew what tools they wanted to buy and and you know potential hires and so forth for for getting this off the ground and and then uh, at the board meeting um, there was a a senior VP who who asked one question and basically said that person basically said can we do this in uh, Drupal which was his oh, favorite. Um, Tech, tech, you know, technological platform, and they and they basically went, um, er, uh, well, uh, it can be done, but it's not what we were thinking. And he basically went, nope, we're not doing it, and and completely killing the project because it didn't match with. And you know, this is laughable now. I mean, you know, really, who is using? You know, I mean, Drupal has now been succeeded uh, by by other more mature technologies, but. Mm. You know, it just and this has nothing at all to do with Dita and everything <laughs> to do with, um, you know, like just poor right, yeah. poor management decisions being made, like in, in to to the effect that you know, you know, not realizing that this VP might object if this was not done in his favorite technology. I mean, you know, clearly yeah. what needed to be done was to, you know, this this should not have been a surprise for this for this particular person, of course. Yeah, <laughs> uh, so. So yeah, I mean, and and realizing that over the the dozen or so years that it has been around, that you know all of these consultants and colleagues have, have each have their own particular, you know, interesting story on on some sort of did a deployment where things have gone horribly horribly wrong uh and as i say again usually not because of Dita, but because of 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 other of other factors that come into play and um yeah so so that's how that came about and uh there's there's talk about possibly doing like a you know like the 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 son of of Dita worst practices for an upcoming conference but uh yeah yeah because because there's there there is certainly more of them but the other thing I, i i should i should probably also point out is you know while while it's a lot of those stories are from the early days of of data deployments as well i mean tools have gotten so much better um you know like you mentioned oxygen earlier but uh you know back back in the day uh, i remember coding things in notepad right uh, because you know uh, the <laughs> the alternatives were were that much worse <laughs> <laughs> And and now I now I wouldn't think of using anything other than um, um, X Metal or or Oxygen for for doing serious work in Dita. Right. It's uh, it's it's nice to hear the word Drupal. I was actually active in the Drupal community for several years, uh, and actually did talk to some people about, hey, is it possible to do a Drupal uh, Dita to Drupal? Uh, and some consultants said, sure, you could do that. You know, we've done something similar. Uh, and I know that there was a a module project to kind of convert Dita to Drupal, but I think it was abandoned. And I was just you know, it's 
it's crazy. And that's, you know, one of the things my concern is that, you know, we have this data contour and this offline content, and it's hard to get that into a content management system because it's all database driven. And it's hard, you know, it's hard to manage because essentially you're dealing with static pages in a dynamic website or dynamic CMS. So, um, you know, that was one of the things that I'm concerned about is maybe, you know, how do we, is there a way to get structured content into a CMS that runs off a database, especially if you're going to do something with a lot of change management right, involved. Right, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah true enough. <laughs> so one of the things you said um, about, I want to talk a little bit more about is the, the DITA com, uh, committee listening sessions. Can mm. you tell us about that and what kind of insight you've gotten from them? Yeah, yeah. So, so um, these, these, you know, credit where it is due, the, these, uh, the idea for doing, doing these was, um, uh, first came from Stan Doherty, uh, who who um, uh, lives and works in the Boston area, uh, is now I'm trying to I, I may get his title wrong, but is essentially like senior content strategist overseeing data usage for Oracle, if I remember right. Oh no kidding! And um, uh, and and he he's an act very active member on the on the data adoption group, and he pointed out that well you know the data technical committee is looking seriously at, uh, you know, uh, the evolving data and coming up with data 2.0. And wouldn't it be a good idea to go back to essentially the grassroots and find out what, you know, what the people who are using data on a daily basis uh, have to say about it and what changes they would like to see and what things should be improved and, you know, and, and, and what things are going, going really well for them. Um, so uh, we we decided that that was that was a that was too good an idea to, to pass up, mm. and um, so we had our very first sessions. Uh, we had three in the sort of Boston area because there, there's um you know quite quite, quite a lot of, uh, of 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 companies that were using it in that in that area, and it was really interesting to see the types of things that that came out of the and you know a, a lot of these things are you know would, would be things that you you might expect that. You know, there there are complaints that um, you know for some data is is too complex, but we were also, you know, in in, in you know sort of, sort of the the other you know other other sort of you know canard so to speak that uh, that that would typically come up, um, but but we we were also getting insight as to you know there not being enough information out there mm. on how to you know move from you know move sensibly from say FrameMaker to to data or you know. Uh, word to data or you know uh, any any other combination thereof uh and and also like just just realizing that um in in general there is still not enough information on um how to use data properly um, mm. um there there's 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 a lot more to it than that but but that was the one thing that sort of came up for me uh, and we're we're trying to devise um you know best practices white papers and so forth that talk about these types of subjects and promoting them on on um uh, via data adoption I, I, but but just you know like like realizing that the people are in general um you know who are using data are are you know are are happy doing so and they realize that it it really helps them um, you know, do the work that they need to do, but there's, you know, there's a few tweaks here and there and wouldn't it be, wouldn't it be nice to have had a, an outline as to the types of challenges to expect when you're moving from, you know, non-structured to, uh, structured content. And mm. so as I, you know, so, so we're beginning to, uh, put out some papers on that. And in fact, one, 
uh, a slightly older one was um, uh, that uh, Deb Besant, and I can't remember the other uh, co-author, did a nice paper on looking at the changes in roles that you could expect in a move to Ditta. So realizing that, you know, there more or less has to be, like, like the various hats that you're wearing right now, realizing that... You know, you need to have someone who to will have the information architecture or content strategy hat, or and someone who will work with the XSL, someone who will look after the the CCMS or whatever uh, system is being used to to hold the topics, and how that differs from the typical um, you know non structured writing writing environment. And you know, it's 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 a it's a matter of trying to descend, you know get get that information out there. Part of the reason why I'm doing this thing with with lightweight data, I'm trying to get ahead of the curve, uh, because it's not you know officially out there yet. But just so that people will have an idea as to, you know, uh, what the various um, modes of uh, you know of communication are available in lightweight data and how they differ and how it's. You know, and the ways that it is possible for people to to use them. Huh. So, That's, so this so yeah. this all came up from from the data listening sessions initially in Boston. Um, I, I was lucky enough that Ixisoft would um, uh, would also fly me out in person to some of the other ones that we would uh, go to, and so so we had other sessions in places like. Um, uh, you know, in in the uh, the the Bay Area, uh, we also had one in Seattle. Uh, we've also done uh, one for for Europe, and we've and, and we in the most recent set were were um, uh, sort of virtual digital listening sessions where people could okay. could call in because you know um, we 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 discovered with the Seattle <laughs> one in particular that you know a lot of people were really interested in in going to it, but uh, um, because of traffic concerns, could not oh, actually geez. get to the to, to the physical venues <laughs> very oh, easily. So. So, uh, so we'll probably be doing more of these. And in fact, at the Dita North America conference, um, there will be a kind of a, a shared session uh, with Rob Hanna of Precision Content. Okay. Uh, where we'll be looking. It won't. I mean, it'll be sort of half a Dita listening session, half a, a sort of like you know trying trying to get an understanding as to uh, you know where where people think uh, Dita and structured content in general should should be going. That's cool. So I guess my next question would be, how do people get involved other than these listening sessions? You know, if there's a community of, of, of people, you know, you've got the data uh, committee and you've got, you know, how do people, how should people get involved with the data, with the data standard or what can people do to advance the standard? Well, okay. So, so there's, there's two, two ways, <laughs> essentially. Um, what, one is of, of course, to, uh, to actually join Oasis um, and, and there's, there's, um, you know, so what, what, what many people, uh, many people who were actually on the technical committee do, they're, they're consultants, uh, who work in the field and they, many of them actually are, um, uh, you have a, uh, essentially a personal membership, which allows them access to, you know, Oasis and to sit on the committees and, and to, uh, you know, hold, hold forth on on you know on on what the, what they have to say about uh, data and the standard. Um, the the other thing uh, relating to that is um, to see whether or not uh, your company may in fact already have a membership and then mm. leverage that. So, um, for, for example, back when I was uh, at, at AMD, um, I realized you know there there's some things that I I, I might want to. Uh, have some further insight into relating to uh, Dita. 
And uh, lo and behold, it turned out that there was um, uh, an engineering team that was really interested. In, I think it was in like a, 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 a cryptography standard, which was also managed by Oasis. So mm. the company already had a membership. And I just had to track down this person within the company saying, hey, can you add me as an as a, an associate member under the company name? And, you know, uh, and within 24 hours, I was I was able to officially join in on conferences. And having said that, um, you can be a non-member and, and join in on the calls, as I understand it. Um, but but to have official um, status to be able to vote on things, you, you have to be a member now. That's that's you know sort of the the big official route in in data adoption we we're we're not as as stringent on that we 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 what we're looking for are people who are willing to contribute uh, essentially best practices and white papers as I mentioned earlier and and the idea is that uh, you know there will be a um, an Oasis member such as myself such as Stan Doherty such as the other member who, members who are on this who will help shepherd this process through and we will work as as um uh you know as editors and you know and help get it because our, our chief thing is to try to get that information out there right so that you, makes sense so so you can if, if you're really interested in the in in the standards process uh look look to get an oasis membership um if you want to help with disseminating best practices uh contact myself or any of the other members on um, uh, on the did adoption group, and we can you know we can help um, usher usher through your you know your 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 material on best practices to the wider data audience. Very cool, very cool. Okay, my my last question usually is, um, what do you do when you're not talking about techcom? Uh, but I noticed that you said something about a data data and beers event, so uh, I wonder <laughs> if that kind of dovetails with this question. Hmm. Well, you know, beer is an important uh, thing in life, and no. <laughs> uh, um, well, uh, uh, well, I mean that that's that's a that that's a sort of like a. Uh, I kind of wish we did it more often, and 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 typically we um, when this does happen, uh, for for whatever reason there is a um, a strong contingent of data, you know. Um, uh, people <laughs> in the Toronto area. I mean, Michael, Michael Priestley is, is, uh, I wouldn't say a neighbor of mine, but, but he, you know, but he often is able to come to these along with, you know, various other, um, uh, various other people. I mean, Rob, Rob Hanna, uh, uh, Tim Grantham is another person, uh, who, who often comes to these, uh, and often we'll have like visiting consultants who are, so, you know, we'll, we'll have them over for a, a beer and we just, uh, drink, um, you know, well, you know, we're, 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 we're all getting older. So I'd love to say copious amounts of beer, but in, in reality, it's probably like maybe two pints tops and, 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 and we talk, and we talk Dita and, and the business of, of Dita and what, and the, oh what we're seeing. Um, and, and these are, these are, you know, very informal. I mean, it, it's, it's usually, it, it's, it's only when we, when we can, you know, match our schedules to, uh, to make these sorts of things happen. And uh, mm -hmm. I, I had one, uh, just earlier this week, and, and prior to that, I think we had maybe two back in, uh, um, in all of 2017. But uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I, I first got interested in doing uh, and learning about and working with Lightweight Dita based on a uh, Dita and beer conversation I had primarily with Michael Priestley at a bar called Say What, 
uh, down on um, uh, Front Street in Toronto. So, so my, so I can trace all my 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 interests and efforts in lightweight Ditta to um, to having um, having a, some very tasty beer. Uh, I think I was it was that was easily a a third or fourth pint. Uh, sort of a- effort by that point. Uh, so yeah, he, the, the, he wore you down. Is that? that yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> and I, I, I don't know. I mean, in, in, in other things, I, I mean, whenever uh, I mean, uh, I, 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 I personally, I, I love doing travel. And given mm. the fact that I go to a lot of conferences, I, um, I, you know, I, I, I feel you know uh, lucky to go and, and, and visit these very various usually major cities and, and sort of take in some of the sites. Um, I am a huge museum nerd. Oh, really? Yes. And um, uh, so whenever I, 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 I uh, whenever, whenever uh, I go to a city, I, I'm, you know, you're, you're as likely to find me in, you know, like the natural history museum or, um, um, or you know some 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 more some other maybe science museum or, or what have you uh, in 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 uh, whatever locale locale I end up in, and I also do a lot of um, photography. I okay. actually oddly enough have a you know a sort of inadvertently have a National Geographic. Uh, I can claim a National Geographic photo credit. Oh wow! Uh, ditto a a Discovery Channel credit for things that I have um, shot with my with my trusty. Um, uh, with my trusty Olympus camera over the years, and oh, I have nice. a blog site devoted to my photos, uh, primarily these days of, of, of bird photography. And, oh. and the um, uh, my, my, my funniest story there was um, uh, taking a, a picture in a museum in Montreal in the, uh, 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 I think it was the, the, the McGill Museum on the campus of um, McGill University of a now extinct form of duck known as a labrador duck and and it was just like the the funniest looking thing because whoever done the taxidermy had it, it didn't really look right and oh. it had these glass eyes that Ooh. sort of made it sort of looks look searchingly at in the, into the soul of the person viewing it or something but it, it was just very odd and and then <laughs> and and uh, what I typically do is I, I will post these these images to uh, Wikimedia Commons so that people can use these oh, on okay. Wikipedia to illustrate things and then out of the blue I got a, um, a an email from a publishing house saying hey you know we'd like to um, use this as a cover for a new book uh, and it, and it, it, wow. as it turns out it was um, uh, an ornithologist who was um, who had, who had basically done a tour uh, to all of the museums in the world that had uh, examples of this this extinct duck, and they used my picture for the cover wow. <laughs> of, of the book. And it's oh, it's a cool. great little book. I think it's called The Curse of the Labrador Duck or something like that. It's it's a it's a fun read, and the, and the and similarly the other things I posted to Wikimedia. I mean they, I, every now and then I, I find my photo credits on various. Web, websites and magazines it's like oh cool you know I, I don't make any money from it but that's 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 not the point you know it's it's oh, uh, yeah yeah so huh. so that's that's um that's my and if anybody wants to check out the the bird photos i do it's on a website called captainmondo.com c-a-p-t-m-o-n-d-o.com and that um that name comes from my uh, radio dj days from uh um, about thirty plus years ago, when I was on when I was on campus radio, 
<laughs> nice. I also did uh, did campus radio for a couple of years. That's ah, cool, cool. And also, um, I didn't realize I was a museum person until just a few years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, but actually, it, the nice thing was when I flew into LavaCon last year, the first day I was there, there was a beer festival at the art museum so that was pretty damn cool i was like oh, hey i'm in the right place at the right time it was really cool <laughs> Ooh, that was the uh, the art museum that um yeah it was uh, right around it wasn't too far it uh, wasn't too far a walk from the hotel from right. the venue itself um and i just happened to be googling like things to do like a couple of days beforehand it's like oh there's a a, a beer festival basically what happened was there was like 10 i think 10 or 15 different pieces of art and each brewery or cidery because there was both there was had to create a beer based on the artworks that they were assigned so it was really really interesting of course you couldn't walk around the museum with beers in your hand they had it in this one room but after you were done with your tastings whatever you had access to the museum so i walked around a, you know a little little cheerily after having several beer tastings um but it was really cool to walk her through the museum and it was definitely something that i probably wouldn't have considered if uh if I didn't Google for beer events before. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, it's funny. I, I think I went to that same museum on the very final day of the conference. Okay. Um, and I mean, uh, and, and they had a, I think it was the first day or the first week of a show um, that they were staging um, on the films that uh, Leica have produced. And Leica is the studio that has produced things like uh, box trolls and, um, um oh darn was it the uh uh a lot, a lot of other sort of computer um no stop motion animated um films and they had some of the sets that oh, were cool. that were there and uh i i took lots of photos because my uh my eldest daughter is in um taking a an illustration course up here and oh, she nice. was just uh um uh, it was like, oh man, dad, I, why why do you get to go to these places? Not me, you know, so. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, yeah, so so yeah, any any you know, like uh, Chicago, I, I'll 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 be at the Natural History Museum. Uh, if I'm in Berlin, I'll be on essentially Museum Island, um, uh, visiting the Pergamon or the uh, Alta Museum there, and looking at the. Um, uh, in particular, their their strong collection of um, ancient Egyptian artifacts, especially from the Amarna period. And so, yeah, that's so, yeah, yeah, yeah I, I, I'm such a museum nerd. Yeah, you're definitely more of a museum nerd than I am, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> well, Keith, thank you for everything. Thanks for taking us through a history of your career and, of course, a history through Dita. Where's the best places that we can find you? I know you said CaptainMondo.com for your <laughs> photography. Um, can you tell us where else we can reach out to you? I, 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 well, the, the other obvious one, of course, is DittaWriter.com. Right. Uh, and, 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 you know, that, that is where I try to put information about, um, you know, firms that are using Dita, uh, the, you know, books that, um, talk about how to use Dita conferences, uh, where Dita is, is either a focus or there's several presentations relating to it, you know, and just trying to, again, trying to disseminate, you know, information relating, you know, that the community would find of interest and, you know, trying to help foster community as well. You know, re- nice. realizing that you're not alone in, in, in working with this stuff and that there are outside resources and people that you can reach out to and work with. You know, that's uh, that's in some ways just just half the battle. I mean, that was a, you know one of the main inspirations for wanting to set up the site uh, almost seven years ago now, just because oh, wow. I knew there were other people out there. And um, mm. there didn't seem to be a lot of ways for people to, you know. Um, there was no nexus for for finding all of this information other than say the um, uh, dita.xml.org website and 
which is which you know in its old form is Drupal base and is and is prone mm. to crashing in at odd times. So <laughs> that's actually another whole thing I'm working on, by the way, and we'll, we'll hopefully see um, a new version of uh, the DXO website. Um, I'm hoping in time for the Dita North America 2018 conference. Cool. And um, remind me again what your Twitter handle is. It's oh yes, of course. Yeah. So um, um, so uh, with Ixiasoft, it's um, uh, at symbol Keith Ixiasoft, um, okay. K-E-I-T-H-I before E except after K. And then um, uh, Ixiasoft, <laughs> I-X-I-A-S-O-F-T. And I also have the handle uh, Ditta Writer as well. Oh, okay, cool. That makes it easy. Nice. All right, Keith. Well, thanks again. This was really good. Thanks for your time, and thanks for talking us through Ditta history. Um, you can find me on Twitter at Ed Marsh and, of course, at edmarsh.com. Uh, a few notes that if you can't get enough of hearing me speak, I was recently on the Scriptorium podcast, and I don't sound completely insane, but we talked about podcasting and content strategy. A uh, really fun one with uh, my friend Gretel. Uh, you can also find uh, that I wrote a story for the, I believe, the October uh, STC Intercom about using web fonts in your online help. And finally, uh, I'm coming up next month in March uh, with the STC IDL SIG. I'm giving a presentation on data-driven content. If you're interesting, if you're interested, uh, you know, come check it out. So thanks again. Please feel free to, uh, you know, subscribe to the Content Content Podcast. You can use just about everything at this point. Uh, please subscribe. Give us a like if you can. Uh, write a review. We have our first review on iTunes. Thankfully, it's five stars. Um, but we would love to see more. And let us know how we're doing. So please get out there and comment and let us know how we are doing. But first, go out there and create some great content. Thanks, Keith. You're welcome. Bye, folks. Hey.